Do you want to take your game in baseball and business to the next level? Created by players for players. This is the Baseball and Business Podcast, where current and former pro and college baseball players are empowered to reach their full potential on the field and in business. Here's your host, Luke Melms. Welcome to episode 56 of the Baseball and Business Podcast. This month's episode brings on former Division I college player Jim Convertino. Jim has built a business which now has 700 plus pro athletes and entertainers as clients and shares the details of how he's gotten there. What Jim talks about at the beginning is why he believes focusing on becoming great at something leads to passion and is how he launched his professional career after graduating from Siena College. He talks about how in the first 15 years of his career, he really put his head down and focused on providing consistency with his high-touch service model in the insurance industry and how that's allowed him to build this niche working specifically with professional athletes and entertainers over these last 15 years. Jim shares why he suggests those in a sales role should become the go-to for products or services beyond what they sell. And he also, at the end, shares his advice for any former players looking to leverage their experience and knowledge of the game in their career after playing like he has. Jim's story shows how building the ideal business takes having a vision and daily action over many years. If you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts already, I would greatly appreciate it if you do. I'm confident you'll get much value out of this month's episode. Let me introduce you to Jim. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thanks, Luke. Happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to dive into this this episode. I know we've been in touch for a handful of years, but to really get into the meat of what you've built a business around, specifically in the sports industry, working with pro athletes, entertainers. I think a lot of guys are, are going to get value out of it. But just to, to get us launched here, let's go back to the beginning. You know, For some people, they would say, well, Jim, how did, how did you get into insurance? And I think that's a good, good place to start. So okay. I'll let you take it from here. Okay. Well, actually, I graduated from Siena College in uh, Albany, New York in 1986. Ended up in Cleveland. Uh, to try to further my baseball career. After uh, that ended up uh, finalizing that part of my career there, I decided to, rather than go to college at uh, UCLA in Los Angeles, I decided to stay in Cleveland, worked as a paralegal for a couple of years, decided I didn't want to pursue that career anymore as a lawyer. And the only reason I got into insurance was I thought to myself, what is something that everybody hates? And so I simply knocked on some other doors. There was no internet at the time when I came out to Cleveland, got a job in a uh, insurance brokerage here in downtown Cleveland. And then uh, the gentleman that I played baseball with that went further, they had drafted, then up going pro, um, kept in touch with them. And they would simply start referring some of their agents to me. And over the years, rather than have just some athletes and entertainers as part of our clientele, we decided to form a niche of it and become the uh, McGowan Peak uh, company we see today. That's summing up multiple decades in, in maybe 60 seconds. And right. I think on the surface, a lot of people would say, well, wow, Jim, Jim's got a really exciting job. He works with athletes and I want to do that. Sign me up. And, and that's certainly not where, where things begin. With anything, there's a story behind the story. And that's really why I wanted to have you on. So just beginning in, in the insurance business itself, 
how long would you say it, it really took your took you to develop yourself as a trusted leader in this space, specifically working with pro pro athletes and entertainers? I, I've been doing this for a little over thirty years now, Luke. I would say realistically, probably the last fifteen or so is really where we developed that niche, gained the trust of people. Um, as you know, insurance is an intangible product, so your athletes are generally visual people. So if they spend five hundred thousand dollars on a car, they can see, touch, and drive at home. With insurance being part of the wealth management portfolio, it's a matter of simply gaining the trust not only of the professional athlete or entertainer, but also their advisors, their accountants, people like that, their sports advisors, if you will. And so that took quite a bit of time. Um, you know, you're building up that practice. Um, what I always tell our advisors is, uh, if if I screw up for one of their clients, they lose, I lose nothing, but they can lose everything. So we take that very seriously where we want to become part of an asset for them rather than simply just a service model. So as you know, the insurance profession is uh, doesn't have the, the, the highest standard in terms of reputation. Um, we see on TV quite a bit those click agencies and those funny commercials that I think are an embarrassment to our industry because what we've done is made insurance a commodity. And with professional athletes and entertainers, as I mentioned to the advisors, if they lose everything in a car accident or a liability lawsuit, there's nothing left to invest with the advisor anyway. And so when you come across that way to an advisor or a, or a professional athlete, they know you take what they do seriously and you speak their language. So getting their trust took a number of years to do. We now have well over 700 clients. We have eight people on our team. I'm very blessed to have the people on our team where every one of them understands that each client has to have that specific service model and make it very boutiqueish in terms of how we respond to what they need. And that's something that you've done to really differentiate yourself is you have an extremely high touch service model. And you just mentioned, I, I mean, you can pick on any of the the insurance carriers that are out there that have really tried to make it kind of that. I mean, the advertising is a little gimmicky and I don't think they, they really right. shy away from that at all. They don't. So on the, you're on the total opposite end of the spectrum. For those that, that don't know you personally, I'd love for you to share what high touch means to you, what that actually, you know, what you actually deliver from a, a service model to the clients that you work with. Sure. What, what we do is we emphasize to simplify the process for all of our clients. And I use the word sports advisors as a general term for our advisors, agents, et cetera, things like that. So our service model is based on just being available, simplifying the process for them, simplifying their coverages, making what the coverages are an abstract coverage into something that's very real. So for example, when we speak to a client, if they have a Mercedes or a McLaren, they have custom wheels or a custom interior, or they customize their cars or their homes, for example, we let them know to make sure they understand that what's different from us versus a direct writer or an Allstate or State Farm is that we'll make sure we'll replace that car with the exact same type of car or rebuild their home the way it's supposed to be rebuilt. They are not calling us an 800 number. They're not calling an office line. Every one of my clients and advisors have simply my cell phone number. And I am available literally 24-7. I sleep three hours a night. I've not taken a vacation day in over 22 years. If I don't answer the phone on the first ring, I'm probably on the other line. But I've taken calls at one and two in the morning from clients. Uh, I'll give you a quick example, if I may, where I had a wife of a, a back basketball player in the Sacramento Kings. She had lost her earrings one night on a Friday, and she called me about 2.30 in the morning. Obviously very upset about it. And she goes, Jim, you know, it's not that you're going to write me a check or replace these earrings. It's the fact that I can just talk to you before the weekend makes me feel so much better. So she, in fact, told her husband story. 
her husband got back to his agent. The agent called me the next day and said, Jim, you really saved my, my butt on that one. So it's a matter of being available. It's a matter of simplifying the process. It's a matter of making people feel at ease. Uh, you know, I tell the team this, nobody calls me to say hello. They're calling insurance. Whenever they call you, something bad has happened to them. The reputation insurance has, they don't think, they think they're not going to get paid on something that claims not going to be covered. And part of what our service team does, and that involves everybody on our team, is to make sure that the claim goes as smoothly as possible. I'm intimately involved in every single claim. Clients can call me at any time to make sure the process goes smoothly. And so uh, I'll give you another quick example. We had one baseball player, I'll never forget this, got pulled over, did not have his insurance card on him, called me right away. I got his insurance card to him before the officer got to his car. Wow. That's the kind of service that our entire team is involved with. I think that's what distinguishes us quite a bit. That's pretty significant. I mean, you mentioned the business has kind of commoditized it and it's, it is something intangible. So, I mean, between all of these different things, it's a, it's a hard business to be in to differentiate yourself. And something that I think about is you can, you can try to be the cheapest, but then you're just, that's a race to the bottom. That's not a game that you want to be in. You can Correct. just say that you're the best, but that's subjective. I mean, or you can just be different and that's that's a black and white thing. Clearly, the way that you approach your business makes you stand out because you just choose to be different. No one else is trying to do what you're doing. Well, I think you, you nailed it, Luke, from the standpoint of where uh, we are not product-driven. Uh, everyone has our product. Um, you know, customer is a four-letter word to us. A customer buys a product, a client buys a service. So with all the static out there with insurance, um, how do you distinguish yourself like you would a financial advisor or anything with this marketplace. And as you know, everybody wants to insure a celebrity. Everybody wants to insure a basketball or football player, where we simply see them as clients first and foremost. And I think what happens is you can actually make a number of mistakes by thinking you're insuring in a celebrity simply because you want the business so badly to do whatever it takes to get it, which means lowering the price, lowering the coverages, and simply getting the business and then trying to fix it after that. The only time we've ever lost clients is because we've had people actually do uh, borderline unethical things to get the business. Um, and then I've actually had clients come back to me after they found out what had happened. I mean, trust is really what you're selling at the end of the day. That is that is the product that's being sold. Obviously, sure. insurance is, but that's what you, you're leading with because insurance can be purchased from, from anyone. Correct. But it's at the end of the day, making sure that it's the right coverage and that like you're describing, whenever something's actually needed, which is never going to be a good situation, that they actually have the ability to connect those dots. So whether it's your business or anyone else's business, I'd love to just hear you share how you've built relationships and the advice that you would share with others who are listening to this, whether they're younger in their career or they're more established. Either way, new relationships are always being built. What are the keys that you think have helped make you so successful in that space? I think it, I think it's gaining, gaining trust, uh, acknowledging what we do, as silly as that may sound, from a standpoint of where is where, and I've talked to a number of advisors like this. I've talked advisors, when I tell advisors what our service model is, inevitably they're going to say, you know what, Jim, we've been looking for someone like you. It's acknowledging the reputation of insurance with these people, first of all, and helping them understand we want to be an asset to them versus a service model. The reality is, and I've had numerous advisors tell me this over the years, they'll do financial reviews with their clients, but won't even talk about insurance. And I'll ask them why. And they'll say, 
you just don't trust someone for the ability to handle my client who's got millions of dollars invested in me to screw up a, a, something like insurance. So going back to where I said it's about being an asset to them versus a, a service model. Insur everyone has insurance. Unfortunately, a lot of these athletes could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars and still have the same insurance broker or agent they had when they were 18 years old on their parents' policies. That's the one thing that seldom catches up with them when they pick an advisor. These athletes are lottery winners. And so you have to acknowledge the fact that they are become targets when it comes to liability. So I've had athletes worth 200, $300 million with no umbrella coverage, which is another layer of liability over their homes and autos. And I would actually tell the agents, like, is there something I'm missing? It's like, nope, we don't know what they have. So gaining the trust with these advisors, as well as the athletes, I've also been told I'm one of the few people that speak directly to the athletes. As you know, you think of the movie like a Jerry Maguire or something like that. Advisors are notoriously insecure when it comes to other speak people speaking to their clients. So I've gained the trust where I've had clients call me directly where an agent will say, like, why would they call you? I'll give you a quick story. One athlete gave me a call. He was arrested for gun possession. Gave me a call at 2.30 in the morning. He was in jail. He said, Jim, I'll just use his name, Joe. I said, Joe, what's up? He goes, man, I got arrested for gun possession. I'm in jail. I don't know what to do. I said, well, I never quite made it to law school, so I'm not sure what, I, what you want me to do. I said, you probably should be calling your agent. And he said, but he's not awake and you are. So got on the phone, called his agent up. His agent got on a plane, flew out to New York, bailed him out the next morning. Again, it's about being more than simply just an insurance broker. It's about being that, that, that voice you can be for someone when they need something to call you. I've had, I've been a marriage counselor. I've been, you know, they've called me for tax, you know, tax attorneys. They've called me for all different things outside of insurance, security things, mortgage brokers, jewelry. They want to buy some jewelry. Where should they go? So it's about being that, you know, consultant versus that salesperson which is what our whole team takes a lot of pride in doing. That's how we distinguish ourselves. That's a really important point to touch on. I don't care what industry someone's in. You can go well beyond what it is that you actually do and become a resource to someone. You know, the way that I kind of think of it is in order to, to grow a business, I mean, you want to become someone that, that's known, like, trusted, if it's something that you can provide value in it beyond what you're actually doing, it's a way that you can help someone else's business grow, which then that obviously creates a, a way that they want to reciprocate. But it's also for your client, helping them at the end of the day, get what they need in a trusted way. Because if you establish a point of contact, especially in the pro athlete space, as you mentioned earlier, everyone wants to get something from them. They are They have a massive target on their back and it's it's tough. It's tough to walk around with such a public figure and and not get taken advantage of. So that's a, a huge point that you're bringing up. I mean, let's just talk about this kind of at a macro level and not specific to any one industry. For anyone that's listening to it, to this episode, let's just pretend they're in some type of sales capacity. Who cares what it is? What advice would you share with them as far as how to start like let's say this is a totally new concept they're saying wow like i never thought about actually being able to provide a referral to someone who doesn't do what i do but it still would provide value to me and my prospects or my clients what would you recommend they even do as a starting point yeah i think i think it's a case and i get this question i speak at a number of colleges and that, that question actually comes up in terms of where to start in terms of getting a profession and the one thing i find which i, I absolutely debunk as a saying is follow your passion because um, a lot of people say, follow your passion. You'll see a lot of speakers talk about that. That is actually actually a falsehood in terms of being very 
very good or great at something. You know, if I followed my passion, I'd be a professional baseball player now. Um, I didn't grow up playing insurance in my garage. I grew up trying to hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth playing for the New York Mets. And so instead of following your passion, be great at something and you'll become passionate about it. I mean, the one thing that comes across when I talk to people, they can understand and appreciate my enthusiasm. And before Zoom, it was all phone calls, obviously, or, or emails. They appreciate the fact that I, I enjoy what I do as much as I do. And I calm people down when they call me when something bad has happened to them. And that absolutely comes through on the phone. And it comes through even more on Zoom calls now is because that's what we're doing more with COVID and things like that. But rather than follow your passion and be great at something, and you'll become passionate about that. I'm very passionate about what I do. I really enjoy what I do very much. I, I love the people I work with. I love changing people's perceptions around. And as you said, it has nothing to do with insurance. It has to do with building a business and acknowledging the, the, the obstacles you're going to come across. But also one thing that I have, which I think is very important for any successful entrepreneur, is insecurity. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Not insecurity in terms of being afraid of things, but insecurity in terms of constantly stretching myself and our company and our firm in terms of trying different things. And when someone zigs, I like to zag to the unknown. By being insecure, it stretches me a lot more to say, well, someone's doing his coverage, it might as well be me versus saying, you know what, I can never get there. I can never be that. Um, that's, that's what happens to a lot of people. They put up their own blocks because they really don't want to stretch themselves and fail. Failure is part of success. And you become more successful with a couple of failures. And don't let those define you. Simply bounce back and go from there. I mean, as I've developed this firm and with the, the amount of clients that we have, we've certainly had roadblocks, but we've also defined it by making sure we went around those roadblocks by adding certain people. We've hired you know, numerous people that didn't work out for the firm, but that's how you learn. But inevitably what happens is as you go and keep moving around, finding what you're, what you're very good at, That'll define who you are and become your brand like we become our brand with PAE. Absolutely. As we begin to wrap things up, the, one of the other things I'm thinking about, I know with this podcast, it's really designed to show that there's so many different paths that someone can go down. Obviously, you've found your path within sports, but not working directly for a team or anything along those lines. For other guys who are, are former players, former baseball players at the college pro level and say, you know, I have this knowledge. I played the game for much longer than most people. I have this unique experience. I would like to somehow use that. Obviously not necessarily directly because the only way to do that is really by playing for the most part. Right. And they don't want to work for a team. They don't, want, they don't aspire to work in a front office or coach or scout or anything along those lines. What advice would you give them as far as trying to break their foot into some type of company that's in, in the sports world itself? Well, I think you, you pretty much said what the, what the perception is, Luke, is that people think that as sports management majors or business majors in school and they want to get into sports, they think they have to work for a team or an organization that's team-related or things like that. Where I would say, do your research, look at you know, the Anheuser-Busch's of the world, any sponsors of NFL teams, law firms that have sports practices, um, the insurance fields. I can't tell you how many, um, you know, relationships I have with former baseball or football players that are now financial advisors because they think they can, they can relate more to the players, of course, that had no, no idea about the insurance world being an opportunity for them as well to still have that relationship with players and, and entertainers. 
So I would say simply broaden your spectrum in terms of what you think you can do and go into different paths versus just applying to the same teams that everyone else in your class is doing. And then reach out to people. I mean, LinkedIn's a great avenue. I've had more relationships develop over LinkedIn that are truly solid relationships where people reach out to me. And I tell all students that are out there, email me, call me, text me, whatever. Happy to listen and talk to anybody. I, I receive probably 30 or 40 resumes a month after I speak at colleges and from people that will reach out and say, boy, I really want to do what you do. And then I tell them what I do and they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be you all of a sudden. Um, you know, it's a very difficult field to be in, which, I, which I'm in. The sports entertainment world, as you know, is very difficult to sustain credibility and longevity in it. And you're, you've got to be willing to put the time and effort into it and move around and things like that. But there's so many other fields out there than just the team approach. But I think that's what people need to broaden their horizons on, because I think everyone's following the same path. Back to what I said before, instead of zigging, zag when everyone else is zigging. That's a, a great point. And, and just to wrap everything up, what I'd love to do is make sure that anyone who's listening to this that wants to reach out to you can easily do that. Like you mentioned, you're, you're on LinkedIn, but if someone wants to connect, what would be the best way to do it outside of LinkedIn? Probably the best way to get a hold of me is my email address, which is jconvertino at mcgowanpae.com. And that address is on my LinkedIn page as well. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to put it in the podcast notes too, to make it easy for anyone that wants to reach out. Great. We'll also put your website in there just to make sure that's easy. But Jim, I I really appreciate you making time. Obviously you're a very busy business professional working with this space. So to take time out of your day to share your story is much appreciated. Thanks for having me on, Luke. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it.